Now you can find, listen and subscribe to Chilling with Jens and the local Danfoss Climate Solution podcast in your RevTools app. Download it from danfoss.com. Service and support. Downloads. Hi, welcome to this month's Cool Talk. I'm Jens Sanderson from Danfoss Cooling. And online I have my colleague John Broughton. Uh, John, could you please tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? Hi, Jens. Certainly. Um, as you said, my name is John Broughton. I've worked for Danfoss for 26 years now, I think. And my main focus for Danfoss is a application expert with the, the main focus on condensed units and all things for commercial refrigeration. Okay, yeah. Uh, and and today, John, we, we're going to talk about uh, a topic that seems to pop up now and then. It's about pipeworks. Um, so, if we start by the well, the beginning, so to speak, um, the pipework doesn't necessarily start with rolling out the copper tubes on site as soon as you get there, right? I mean, but where does it actually start? That's a very good topic, Jens, actually, a very good question. Um, pipe work and, and pipe size is, is one of the most important considerations, I'd say, in any installation. After, of course, the selection of the you know, refrigeration equipment, you know, evaporator, compressor, condenser, etc. Um, the, the pipe work itself connects everything together. So it's very important to get it right. And the reason I say that is we need to have two things. We need to have the, the shortest pipe route between, let's say, the evaporator and the compressor, um, and that is to minimize the pressure drop. And we also need the correct velocity in both the liquid line and the, the suction line. Now, velocity in a liquid line basically should be below around about one meter a second, otherwise you can get, you can get noise. You can also get pipe movement. Um, now, the suction line, that's important for two reasons. Um, the first is oil return, and for this we need the correct velocity, and that's generally in a horizontal line, should have four meters per second or more, and then for a pipe which is a vertical riser, so a pipe going upwards, we should have between eight and 12 meters a second. Um, then we've got the second important issue with the suction line, and that is pressure drop. Now, the greater the pressure drop, the bigger the compressor needs to be to be able to, to perform the same capacity. Um, so meaning that the suction pipe is a combination of the correct velocity to get the oil return and an acceptable pressure drop. So that's a bit of a, a balancing act um, to get both of those things together, because you can have nice high velocity, but that also gives you a fairly high pressure drop. So it's a balance. See, so it's 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 quite important actually that you just don't take the first pipe size that you have available. But what 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 uh, do we have any tools for this planning stuff? I mean, uh, Danfoss has got Cool Selector to to uh, for free use. Would that be of any help in, in uh, these uh, planning considerations? Yes, definitely. Um, I think what I'd, what I'd go back to is 
the first part is is knowing your pipe layout because before you even start and use a tool like call selector which has a pipe dimensioning and part within it you need to know the pipe layout so you need to know how long it is the the vertical parts the horizontal parts um, all of those sort of topics before you even start to to look at actually designing the pipe work um, in the Denfoss call selector software now when you're doing that the the first part that you go into is you choose the refrigerant you're using um, then the the actual pipe that you are looking at sizing so is it the liquid line is it the suction line is it the discharge line for example if it was a, a system with you know separate components a compressor condenser etc um, and then you look at the evaporating conditions uh, so the yeah the evaporating conditions uh, you know the temperature pressure that you're condensing at then you look at the pipe material and in cool selector you know you can use uh, copper, steel, et cetera, depending on the, the type of installation that you're working on. Um, is it a straight piece of pipe? How long is that piece of pipe? Um, is it an elbow, et cetera? And then basically you can you can use call selected to, to build up the layout. And that's what I mean about you have to know your pipe layout before you start and use a tool like call selector. Yeah, I see. So it's 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 basically about, yeah, you said it's planning and I guess uh, or at least that's that's my sort of assumption that you would uh, start with placing the uh, bigger components like the uh, evaporator, the condensing unit, the condenser, maybe uh, the compressor, etc, cetera, etc cetera, first and then uh, you would then uh, obviously you have calculated the pipe sizes, etc and then you would start uh, doing the practical work on site so to speak or what do you think? Um, yeah, I would say the first part is knowing the location of your major components. So, you know, the evaporator, the compressor, condensing unit, whatever. Then you focus on the pipe layout. As I said, keep it as short as possible with the minimum um, height difference that you can between evaporator condenser. Um, and then you've got to look at the root of the pipes. You know, do they go? Do they have to go through a wall? Do they have to break through a roof, for example? Um, if you have to go through a, a a wall, then you also should install a protective sleeve over the pipes. Things like that. Um, you have to be aware of things like fire safety regulations. If you're going through a wall that is classed as a fire break, um, then you need to ensure that you maintain that. Uh, fire break uh, material and you can do that with with various um, third party sealing products so you seal around the pipes. Um, you know it, it's quite a challenge Jens to look at the position of the evaporator and where you can physically put the condenser because we are limited these days to that. Um, and then, you know, as I said, if you're breaking through the fabric of a building to the outside, you've also got to make sure that if you do that and where the pipes, uh, you know, break through, you need to make sure that you don't get any water ingress into the building or, you know, to its structure itself. So there's there's quite some challenges there. Yeah. 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 Um... And 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 the, that's that's also of course uh, a part of, of the challenges, so to speak, uh, where to place the different things. If we're talking about uh, condensing units, uh, et cetera, et cetera, sh can you? 
I mean, I hope most of the time you you are sort of free to 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 um, place the condensing unit anywhere you you like, as long as the the, the pipe run is as short as possible. Uh, being at the roof or at the uh, next to the building, et cetera, et cetera. Or are there any considerations that that you might need to uh, take into context here also? Mm, probably quite a lot, Jens. And I think the biggest challenge these days is the environment that we live in. And what I mean by that is, you know, the, the shop owner, for example, he might want a cold room and his his main focus is on his cold room. Then you have to think, OK, I need to put a condensing unit somewhere. Where can I physically put that condensing unit? And that then becomes the difficult bit because there's a lot to actually think about. Um, you know, it's got to be a suitable location for the condensed unit from a, a structural point of view. Can the roof support the weight of that condensed unit? Does it have to go on a wall? Does it have then have to be fitted on brackets, for example, or can it be put at ground level? If it's put at ground level, is it secure, you know, from damage or theft? Um, think things like that. I mean, then you've also got to think about, you know, noise. Um, we live in an environment now where the the built environment itself the shops are very close to flats to houses things like that um is the noise going to be an issue um then you know as we've discussed the length of pipe run got to make sure we have the correct diameter we need that for the good performance reliability of this system um i'd probably say one of one of the biggest issues when you place the condenser is making sure that it gets a good free airflow through the condenser and there's no recirculation of the air. Um, otherwise, again, the, the performance of the system is affected and will ultimately lead to compressor failure if the condensed unit or the condenser is not allowed to do its you know, proper job. Yeah, yeah, I see. I guess it also uh, includes the, the uh, possibility of, of uh, say, external heat sources, like, I don't know, it could be, uh, uh, indoor fans or something like that, uh, pumping out uh, hot air or something. I guess it also comes into the considerations. Mm -hmm. There's a very good site that I remember some years ago working on where there was a condensed unit that basically didn't perform very well and they'd placed the condensed unit right next to the exhaust fan from a takeaway. Uh -huh. um, and this exhaust fan from the takeaway was from the, the ovens and the exhaust fan was basically blowing hot air straight onto the face of the condenser. Oh, um, yeah. And yeah, as you can imagine, it, it didn't uh, work very well. No, <laughs> so, no. Yeah, yeah, small things, but can be quite important. Yeah, I guess, I guess. Uh, so anything special in in uh, in uh, well yeah you've you've mentioned the the vertical pipes but are there any additional things that we should uh, say have into considerations when we're talking about uh, uh, higher rise uh, rises of pipes mm. um i think as i said earlier when you've got a vertical pipe so a vertical riser um, we need a good velocity in there, and that's between 8 to 12 meters per second to ensure that we entrain the oil and that comes back to the compressor. Um, if we can't get this velocity with it without incurring, let's say, a too high pressure drop, and I spoke about 
the, the pressure drop before, you can use uh, a double riser. And that basically means you have two pipes um, so that we ensure the velocity is correct, but then the pressure drop is manageable because you've got two pipes instead of one pipe. Um, that's one way to do it. And then depending on the length of the vertical riser, you should have an oil trap. Now, everybody has a rule of thumb. Um, basically on systems over a kilowatt, something like that, I would say, you know, roughly every five meters. Um, and then on small fractional compressors, roughly every one and a half meters, something like that. And the, the idea of the oil trap is that as the oil is entrained and it's pulled back by the suction gas coming up the riser, it then comes into a loop where it sits. And then as then as the, the suction gas goes through that oil trap, it picks up a little bit of oil and trains it and takes it up a little bit further. One of the engineers that I worked with when I was an apprentice, always said to me, he describes it a little bit like an elevator, that you are taking the oil up to the first trap and it sits there and then it's entrained a little bit more and it goes up to the second trap maybe. Uh, so that's a way to sort of visualize how the oil is transported up the pipes because with the velocity, you can't take the oil in one stretch all the way up, let's say 20 meters because you physically don't have enough velocity. Um, and if you had a very, very small pipe, then it's possible, but the pressure drop would be too big. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, as, as I said before, it's a bit of a balance. Yeah, yeah, see. Yeah, uh, so uh, having placed all the pipes here and there, et cetera, et cetera, what about insulation and, and uh, uh, protection of the, of, of the pipes, et cetera? Mm. Um, there's, there's, again, many challenges on site once you've identified the pipe run. You know, uh, as I said, when you break through the external fabric, you need to make sure it's weathertight. Also got to make sure that we have a sleeve over the pipes to protect them. Um, concrete uh, is an acidic uh, substance and it will eat into copper pipes. So uh, never, never. Um, put pipes through a wall and then fill it in with concrete because the the acid in the concrete will actually eat into the copper. Uh, so that's a very important thing to say. Um, then as you're taking the pipes into the cauldron, for example, they again need to be sealed and that's to provide a vapor barrier so we don't let warm air into the cauldron. Or it could be a display case um, where the pipes enter a display case, for example. You need to make sure that hole is, is sealed with a vapor barrier. Um, one of the challenges with insulation, particularly uh, suction line, got to be the correct thickness depending on the evaporating temperature. It needs to be vapor sealed to avoid condensation or ice buildup at the joints or even where it's clipped. Um, so you should not have a break in the suction in insulation and every joint should be uh, glued with an adhesive. Um, you know, we don't want ice or condensate water dripping inside a building, damaging, you know, the walls or the ceiling, for example, or even worse if it drips over an electrical installation. You know, that's mm. de definitely not good. Um, one topic that, that's often not thought about from pipe insulation point of view is the action of UV radiation. Um, now, I've been to sites over the years where they've had insulation. I won't mention the trade name, um, but it, it really does 
break down. Now, I know products are UV stabilized these days and they're probably a lot, a lot better than when I was on the tools, which is a long, long time ago. Um, but I'll still go to sites now and you'll see pipe runs up the side of a wall, for example, which will hit uh, or get hit by uh, the, the sun uh, or on a, a roof. And, you know, that insulation does break down eventually. So try and keep the insulation away from direct sunlight. Um, mm. Not always easy, but uh, or you, you can actually buy a uh, paint that you can paint over the insulation, which oh, gives yeah. it a bit more protection from from UV radiation. Yeah. Um, the other thing to say regarding sunlight, um, if it's, you know, a lot of uh, full sun in the insulation is is not the required thickness, you can also put extra heat into that returning vapor to the compressor. So you increase the superheat, which increases the work the compressor has to do and then increases mm, the distance yeah. temperature. So there's a lot to sort of take into consideration. Um, main thing to say is obviously ensure that the insulation is the right thickness for the evaporating temperature. Um, other things to, to think about, you've obviously got to make sure that if the pipes have the possibility to be damaged, by, I don't know, let's say a pallet truck or a fork truck or people, um, make sure that they're covered with a, a steel plate or something. Um, I did see an installation some years ago where the uh, drain line from the condenser came down onto the floor uh, and then went across a doorway. Mm. And as you can imagine, over time, um, there wasn't many people in that particular area, but the pipe did get, you know, damaged. Yeah, and it would have saved it just by putting a steel plate over it. So, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes the small things are the most important. Yeah. Yeah. So it's well, it's 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 fairly easy as long as you think of of uh, all these. Yeah. Well, traps, if you like, uh, when when doing the pipe works. Uh, but do you have any other, say, do's and don'ts that uh, you would like to share with us? Um, yeah, I mean, if I think back to my time as an engineer on the tools, there were certain practices that if you didn't do, you would get into serious trouble from the installation manager. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, it was the basics, really. It was things like keep the pipework clean, always cap off the tube to ensure we don't get any foreign material in the tube. Um, that sounds very simple, but I know in my time working within Danfoss, when we used to inspect compressors, we used to occasionally get a compressor back, which had small stones in the sump of the mm. compressor. Um, and we can only imagine that somebody was putting pipe on a roof um, where there was, uh, you know, small stones from the, the fabric material uh, and they hadn't capped off the pipes as they were working. That was the only sort of explanation. So keep the pipes clean. Um, you know, we don't want any foreign material entering the uh, the tube. Um, things like use the correct tool for cutting the pipe. Um, I, I always remember my the installation manager saying, if I ever see you with a hacksaw, uh, you'll be in, you know, <laughs> very serious trouble and we'll demote you to cleaning condensers uh, on service for a week or two. So, yeah. uh, you know, because if you use a hacksaw, then you can put copper swarf inside a system that has a bad effect on, you know, the expansion valve, the compressor, the valve plates, pistons, all of that. 
so you definitely don't want that. So use proper tools. Yeah. Um, always use a dry nitrogen purge when you braze. If you don't, you get a buildup of oxides on the inside of the pipe. Then when the system works, all those oxides go into the you know the system. Mm. They can block the expansion device. They can degrade the oil. Uh, so things like that. Um, don't overuse brazing rod. And I know that that sounds simple, um, but you know, occasionally I go to site and you see where people have brazed, and there's a lot of brazing material on the on on the joints. Mm. And if it's small pipe, you know, that can actually block the pipe or seriously restrict the flow if there's too much uh, brazing rod being used. Um, always, if you have to use flux, let's say if you're using uh, joining copper to steel, then you know make sure that you clean the flux up afterwards because flux is an acid. Um, as I said before, keep the pipes out of harm's way. You know, if they're in a position to get damaged, then protect them with with something. Um, a strange one, but always use refrigerant grade pop crop refrigerant grade copper pipe. Or steel pipe or whatever, but make sure it is refrigerant grade. And by that, it means it is clean and it's suitable for the maximum working pressures. Mm. Um, because you can get copper water pipe, um, yeah. which, you know, so just use the correct pipe. It sounds simple, uh, but it is incredibly important. Use things like long radius elbows to minimize the pressure drop instead of short radius elbows. Um, strange one that, that we were always told, hide the writing on the insulation, if there was any, to the back so that the installation looks nice. Um, mm, yeah. You know, small things, but... Yeah. Uh, and then I was having a chat with a friend of mine recently about the days of installs and how we, we sort of miss that. Um, mm. And the, the strange things that various companies spoke about or whatever. And one of the sort of favorites really was there's three of them um one was we're not it's not a sausage making competition and <laughs> hopefully the listeners can understand what a sausage is um by that what he meant was and i've seen it on installations as i spend time on site with the job that i do now where people tie wrap cables to the insulation they pull them tight Mm. So you have this sausage look to the insulation. Um, uh, yeah. It looks bad and it then compromises the performance of the in insulation. Yeah. Um, you know, so small things, but it's not a sausage making competition, which always mm. made me smile. Um, <laughs> yeah. One of the other favorites was if it wiggles, put a clip on it. Mm. Um, and hopefully the listeners understand wiggle, uh, movement. So, mm. you know, please use the correct number of pipe clamps to ensure there isn't any movement or sagging mm. on the pipes. Now, again, rules of thumb, <clears throat> generally every two meters uh, for, you know, larger size pipe, let's say, and then smaller pipes, you know, quarter, three eighths, uh, yeah, every meter or so. But you mm. can generally use common sense you know, uh, does that look right or does that not look right? Um, and then the last one was we're not making icebergs. And if you've got a low temperature installation, um, so you're evaporating, you know, quite low. Generally, we evaporate below zero anyway, uh, even if it's medium temperature. But if you're evaporating down minus 25, minus 30, again, make sure that you, the the thickness of the insulation is correct and can cope with that suction temperature coming back to the machine. But if you're going to do that, make sure that you 
maintain the uh, vapor seal of that insulation all the way from the evaporator right back to the compressor. Mm, um, yeah. Again, I, I go to sites and you'll see people who have a pipe the copper and then they just put the insulation up to the clip. Now, there's no vapor seal there and that pipe might be at, you know, minus 15, minus 20 in some cases. Um, and then you'll get moisture and then you'll get ice. Yeah. And eventually you'll build up a, what I call an ice nut, or as his company said, an iceberg. Um, you know, and that, A, it looks unsightly. B, you are adding heat into the suction gas coming yeah. out of the machine, which is bad. Um, you know, it's just bad practice. Yeah. Um, so th those are the sort of three things that we were smiling about the other day, um, which, yeah, just made us smile, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk talking about you know when when you go to a a, a, a scene uh, where where you need to do some uh, service, are there any uh, say uh, tricks or tips that you could give us? Uh, anything uh, in 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 terms of well, let's call it fault finding on 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 piping, so to speak. Are there any? Diagnosis that you can pull out of 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 uh, yeah well bad piping, but piping. Um, I I I would say Jens probably two spring to mind. One is the liquid line and velocity, um, and generally if the velocity is too high, you'll hear like a whistling noise, like a faint whistling noise. Uh, and you you can also get uh, movement in the pipes as well. Let's say the solenoid valve opens yeah. and the velocity coming down the liquid line is way too high. Um, you can get movement in the pipes. And in severe cases, you can see the pipes sort of snaking across a roof. Oh, yeah. um, so that that's probably one. And then thinking about suction line, um, quite a bit is, I would say, common sense and understanding of does that pipe size look right for the capacity that we're talking about and most engineers can look at a system and say yeah that looks about right um, but if you're having problems with oil return let's say for the compressor and the compressor is always running short of oil mm -hmm. um, and you're constantly putting more oil into the system to maintain the level in the compressor but that level's not being maintained, not being maintained, then I would look at the the pipe size uh, based on the duty and the conditions and check what the velocity is. Because if the, if the velocity is too low, then you're not going to bring the oil back. Um, and also, if you've got, as we said before, with the vertical risers, if you've got a vertical riser, has it got oil traps in? If it hasn't, then you know that's uh, that that's not a good thing, um, and, and by that, when I mean a vertical riser, I mean the suction line going back to the compressor. So the compressor is higher than the evaporator. If the suction is going the other way, so the evaporator is higher than the compressor, then you know oil will flow with gravity. Mm. Um, but when we're trying to work opposite gravity, that's when you need your your oil traps. So I'd I'd probably say those are the main two and then as I said a minute ago thinking about the thickness of the insulation if you have um, you know ice nuts icebergs um, then obviously that needs to be remedied if the insulation itself is sweating 
that generally means that the insulation is not of the required thickness. Mm, um, yeah. Or uh, a classic one in, in roof voids particularly, if there's no free movement of air, then you can get sweating on the insulation. Uh, the insulation might be the right thickness, but the air movement is not enough. Um, so then you generally need to go upper size on the uh, upper size on the thickness of the insulation to ensure that you uh, don't get to the dew point of the of the air in that location. Um, yeah, those are probably the immediate ones that that spring to mind, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sort of thinking back on 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 the conversation we just had. I mean, piping is a simple thing, but it's not. I mean, there are so many things that you need to think of when when you start. So, uh, John, uh, thank you so much for for this uh, insight, and um, I hope that our listeners will also appreciate that uh, there are quite a few things to think of when when doing the pipe works right. Thank you, John. Thank you, Jens. Hope uh, yeah, that was a good discussion. Thanks very yep. much. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers, bye-bye.